0: Time and time again throughout the Our second scripture reading today is from 1st Samuel chapters 8 verses 4 through 20 and um, chapter 11 verses 14 and 15. <laughs> then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, You are old and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us, then, a king to govern us, like other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to govern us. Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Just as they have done to me from the day I brought them up out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so also they are doing to you. Now then, listen to their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel reported all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest, and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his courtiers. He will take one-tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and his courtiers. He will take your male and female slaves and the best of your cattle and donkeys and put them to his work. You will take one-tenth of your flocks, and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we are determined to have a king over us, so that we also may be like other nations, and that our king may govern us and go out before us and fight our battles. Samuel said to the people, come let us go to Gilgal and there renew the kingship so all the people went to Gilgal and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal there they sacrificed offerings of well-being before the Lord and there Saul and all the Israelites rejoiced greatly the word of the Lord
1: one of those thanks I think be to God after a passage like that thanks Bree. Uh, hey everybody My name is Steve and uh, I am the pastor here at Genesis. Welcome to those of you watching on Zoom and on YouTube and Facebook, and welcome to those of you in the room. Man, it's good to be together. I'm I'm still getting used to it, right? I was talking to people earlier and it's like, wait a minute, I'm actually shaking hands with people? Is that okay? I'm, I'm not wearing a mask, is that okay? And it all feels weird and we can embrace the weird, right? We've done that before. Uh, that's about all we've done in seven years as a church is embrace the weird. Uh, so I want to open up this time this morning with a couple of questions. These first ones aren't all play questions. They're just helping us frame what we just heard. And Brie, nice job reading so many Gilgal and all just weird words and just, just beautiful job. The first question I want us to think about and reflect on is this. How does God respond when we ask God for something? The people in this portion essentially asked Samuel slash God for a king, like all the other nations. How does God respond when we ask God for something? Like maybe when you pray for a baby. My wife Mary and I had infertility for seven years before Isaac came to us. So there was a lot of praying and thinking and hoping uh when you pray for a new job i just got a text from someone hey i'm going for an interview pray that it goes well and i always feel conflicted when i hear that kind of request because like well how do how do i know if it's a good job <laughs> i'm like pray that it goes well i'll pray for you you know it's, anyway this is just my over analytical brain going crazy right um But also like when someone prays for a baby and they get a baby and they go, oh, thank God for providing us a baby. And I want to celebrate and say, yay. But then also I want to say, yeah, but that person over here, that's been praying for a baby for seven years and still hasn't gotten it. What does that mean? Does that mean that person's bad and this person's good? No, but that's why i I feel conflicted when we oh i want to say yes thank god for answering prayers but then i also want to say what happens when god doesn't or is that god answering a prayer Ah!" um what about when you pray for healing one of my friends just texted me he lives down in texas uh, and his wife just found out she has breast cancer so we're praying for him and for her and for them how does God respond when we pray these beautiful prayers? Now, if you pray for a parking spot, I'm not sure that that falls into that same category. Oh God, please give me a close parking spot. Or what about when you ask God for something and you get it? How do you respond? When you ask God for something and you don't get it, how do you respond? And can we climb out of the binaries that there's good responses and bad responses? And can we enter into the reality that there's just honest responses? God, I'm angry that you seem to be so far away. God, I'm so happy that what I asked for came through. That can happen to the same person in the same day, amen? But this is an important thing to wrestle through because Really, is God involved in the details of our lives? Or does God leave those things up to us to figure out? Do we have free will? And do we get to live with the consequences of our free will? Or is God sovereign over all things? Or might there be a better way of imagining the intersection of God's activity and our response and our actions? That's what this portion is gonna cover. So we'll be here till about five o'clock. I hope, uh, hope those donuts last. In this week's scripture portion, the children of Israel, we can say ask, but it really sounds more like a demand. They go to Samuel and they say, appoint for us a king over Israel like all the other nations. Interesting. Uh, And Moses, you know, was their leader, looking back uh, as they were coming out of Egypt, out of slavery, and Moses was their leader throughout all the years of wandering in the desert. And then when they made it to the promised land, Joshua became their leader. Moses died. Joshua came in and they occupied the land through a lot of military conquests, which is a whole other sermon and a whole other story about what that means. But they did, and currently they're being led by Samuel, who's a judge. But just so you know, uh, maybe let's just let this be uh, a spontaneous all play question. Who was the first judge? Anybody know? Allie, you know. She was a woman named Deborah. The first judge in the history of Israel was a woman boom. Drop that mic. Okay. This portion allows us to glimpse a behind-the-scenes conversation between Samuel, who's appointed leader over the people, and God about how they feel about this request. And I think it's so delicious because when we are on our side, we're asking God for things, We don't get that behind-the-scenes look. We just have to wonder, is God listening? Is God active? Is God going to respond? But in this portion, whether it's a good request or or demand or not a good request or demand, it is simply a view into the mind of what God thinks about when we ask God for things. And so it's so interesting. So we are going to ask an all-play question now. And all plays are designed to hear the voice of the chorus. Online, use the chat, and right here in the room, just shout your answers out. And I want to um, remind you that answers to all play questions are just conversation starters. Right? You don't don't rack your brain and try to get the smartest answer or the coolest thought. Just just shout out what comes into your mind and what we believe around here is God will help usher us into beautiful, bigger, and better conversations when we hear more voices. That's how that works. So first I'll play question is this, and this is an important one. What are your questions and comments about this topic so far before we begin? And You can go ahead and throw that question up there on the screen so that people can see it because I have heard people forget (laughs) what the questions are. Then they're like, wait a minute, what am I answering? Because I was just in the bathroom or I was doing dishes or folding laundry. So the question is, what are your comments and questions about this topic before we dive in? Yeah, Cassandra, why did the children of Israel, who are called out to be God's people in the world, to bless the world, want to be like everybody else? Why? That's a great question. I'm not going to answer it, but that's a great question. And I think it plays into why they want a king. What else? Questions or comments, observations about this topic or this portion before we start? This is from, I think, Ali back there. The last verse describes how Saul and the Israelites rejoiced greatly. But what about God? What did God think about their sacrificed offering? That's awesome. What a, what a great question. Other thoughts or comments? Ooh, Joan is wondering what she might be asking that doesn't really reflect her heart, but might be reflective of some other folks around her and around culture. Whoa. We went right to the deep end. Thank you, Joan. Oh, my goodness, Jane. There's something about rejection. If I'm not God's, then what do I do now? Is that what you said? If I'm not wanted, right. Right, so from Samuel's perspective, right? Like, you're the leader. He's old. Poor guy. He's been knocking it out for who knows how long, without a sabbatical probably. (laughs) And then you're old. Your sons don't follow in your ways. We want a king. Off with your head. People are so sweet and gentle. Isn't that great? They're just so nice to, to church leaders like Samuel. You guys are pretty nice, actually. I'm pretty lucky. But What else? Thoughts, comments, questions. About to move on. Parenthetical note. You're not supposed to do this. You're just supposed to keep going. But the reason why it's important to ask questions, comments, or thoughts before a little more teaching happens, is so the whole room can take a breath and imagine that there's more than what you just heard. You know, so when someone else says, oh, how do we deal with rejection? You might think, I didn't even think about that. Or someone says, man, I I really makes me wonder what I'm asking for that's not in my heart. Oh, I didn't even think about that. And so we can start to enter into the conversation already from a much more broad place that's why we do all plays that's why we take time to do those Uh, from laura online i wonder what my own deal is with being afraid to pray for things because i'm scared they won't happen yes right when you get so in your head about does god give things does god not give things that you stop asking altogether that's a deal i've been there thank you laura gold stars for you (laughs) so verse four then all the elders gathered together and came to samuel at ramah and said to him you are old (laughs) and your sons don't follow in your ways appoint for us then a king to govern us like all the other nations all play question number two what do you notice about this interaction the elders gathered together they came to samuel at ramah and they said to them you are old your sons don't follow in your ways yeah this is not minnesota <laughs> they don't have they they are direct Thank you, Jason. There's obviously been a lot of processing prayer for Samuel, probably, prayer meetings. Uh, let's pray for Samuel. He's old, and, I, and he doesn't, you know, he's not fulfilling what we need him to fulfill, and, and so who's going to say it? You know, you, can just, you just can imagine it. This, this gathering of elders, psst, you go, you go, no, you go, you said you were going to say it, you say it, you say it, no, you say it, okay, I'll say it, and then they say it. What else do you notice? Uh, from Mary uh, online. They don't ask questions. They have already decided. Who? <laughs> what else? What do you notice about this interaction? They kind of feel like they're better. But Samuel's lost it. Yep. So we, we kind of know better. Thank you, Hannah. Samuel's lost it. We know better. We're the elders. We have a solution. It's efficient. It's good. It's proven. All the other nations are doing it. Now, one little thing that's interesting is that you notice in what Bree read earlier, we want a king to lead us in battle. If you read about Samuel's life, there's zero that says anything about him as a warrior king. He's not a king, but he's a judge. So they may be really like... Maybe he's a pacifist and they don't like that. All the other nations are getting bigger and stronger and they're taking land and we're worried about our land because we have a leader who won't even fight for us. So appoint us a king because all the other nations have kings that fight for them. We want that. Any other comments, questions, thoughts about this interaction? Right, right. There's no appreciation for Samuel. Here's the good thing. You know, at least give me the sandwich. You know, the, yes, you're good. No, you're not good, but yes, you're good. You know, that, that, that strategy for dealing with conflict. We love that you're so great with, now your kids are not that good. But anyway, um, catching up online from TJ in Milwaukee, actually from Rebecca, they compare themselves to other countries. That's a noticing, right? And that's interesting that they do that. From Ali in the back, in Hebrew, there's a polite verb demand and a not polite verb demand. The a point for us in verse 5 is the not polite verb. So this is not a request. This is a command. What do you do when you're the leader and you're old and you're not satisfying the people's wishes and they want you out? It's interesting because the next verse says, Samuel did what Moses often did, so he prayed about it. He talked to God about it face-to-face. I've shared this with you a million times. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is when Moses cries out to God after the children of Israel are just complaining the whole time, and he says to God, basically, if you love me at all, kill me now because I'm done leading these people. (laughs) there are no good responses or bad responses just honest ones right samuel kind of does the same thing because remember when it says right there i think it's verse six that samuel was displeased with the request samuel's displeased with the request so um, one interesting thing though is let's notice our tendency to judge these elders real harshly you know those idiots don't they know better to don't don't they know better than to appreciate don't they know better that this is not going to end well saul's the next guy he goes crazy it's not a good thing this starts a whole ball rolling but we then right it's so easy to cast judgment in real time because we know the rest of the story let's not be too harsh let's instead remember the times when we've demanded something from god which felt reasonable to us But which may have lacked imagination to put it politely. You ever been there? Come on, God. I remember one time I didn't get a job that I really wanted. And I was having this conversation with God. And I remember the green Ottoman that we used to have. And I pointed at the Ottoman and I said, Now the ball's in your court, God.
0: (laughs) What? (laughs) Where was the ball?
1: No good responses, no bad responses, only honest ones, right? But I imagine just a, oh honey, oh honey, okay, you need some juice? Okay, ball's in my car, I'll I'll, I'll take the ball, it's good, I'll just, okay. Uh, So we see the children of Israel seeking to abandon, in this with this request, the mystery of walking with a covenant God so that they can have what all the other nations have that's what we see whether it's a good request or bad request it's it's saying this whole walking with you in community and in covenant community and following your ways is just far too messy you ever been there it's just far too difficult i wish it was more straightforward I mean, the Ten Commandments are fairly clear, but even that, there's a lot of wiggle room, right? What does it really mean to covet? So I, we want something more straightforward, a king to govern us, a king to tell us what to do. You ever been there too? I want some, I'm tired of deconstruction. I want, some, I want some, some rules and I want a box to fit in. I want to understand stuff again. Well, in Genesis 17, verse 1,
0: just to go back
1: a few generations, we get a glimpse into the kind of relationship that God desires with us. So I'm going to read it to you. This is Genesis 17:1. This is right before God proclaims God's covenant with God's people. When Abram was 99 years old, also old, probably older than Samuel was at this point, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Now, we gotta get nerdy and get Hebrew here because the translations here are terrible, honestly. Walk before me literally means walk to my face, we taught about this a few weeks ago, but you know, like if, for those of you who've had kids, you know when your kid is just learning how to walk and they kind of had that, had, they have that like, you know, but they're looking right at you. They're not looking at their feet. They're, they're stumbling, they're fumbling, and you're like, yes, yes, yes. That's the picture. Walk to my face reflexively. Just keep moving toward me. You're gonna fall, you're gonna stumble, doesn't matter. No good requests, no bad requests, only honest ones. Walk to my face. That's the relationship I want with you. And then the word blameless. How does that translate? Walk before me and be perfect. perfect. Thank you. (laughs) Yuck. Anyone, I mean, try that for a while. Get exhausted develop a drinking problem (laughs) and then try it again and get exhausted and uh, the word for blameless there literally in the hebrew means be complete be whole so god is saying the kind of relationship i want with my people is a progressive relationship where they're walking to my face and in the process of walking and stumbling and fumbling and making mistakes in that very process they will be made whole that's the relationship i want that's the covenant I want, and it's messy, and it's mystery. I don't want to put a king over them to tell him what to do. And remember, did you hear when Bree was reading that big long list of what the king was going to do? He was going to con- basically conscript you into slavery. And we prefer that over the messy mystery of walking and stumbling and fumbling our way to God's face. And we all end up preferring that walk to my face and be complete means keep moving toward me resist grasping for control or power that's what that means it means keep moving toward wholeness resist perfection and preferred outcomes you can have a preferred outcome but the main goal in the spiritual life with your outcome that you prefer is to learn how to let go of it You can have that outcome. You can want it. You can pray for it. Woo! But freedom and wholeness comes when we learn to, like, let it go. And that's so difficult, right? It's messy. We'd rather just have someone tell us what to do, and we'd rather do it. This is what I want with you, God says, a moving, living relationship where your life is a process of me helping you become whole. Whole through good and bad decisions, not by getting it right. I heard someone say once, the best way to learn is to fail, but none of us like to fail. So very rarely do we, are we in a good position to learn. <laughs> if we avoid failure. So walking toward God's face is saying, I am gonna screw this up multiple times in multiple ways. I shared with you last week that one of my people in my life told me last week, because I was bemoaning the fact that maybe as a pastor, I sometimes hurt people. I don't want to do that. And they said, 100% you have the capacity to do that. And you don't want to, but you have done that. And I was like, you're right. And for a second, that felt weighty. And then for a second, that felt like, now again, I don't want to do that. But it felt like, oh yeah, I'm a human. I can walk toward God's face in that way. And even in the admitting that I make mistakes, I can be made whole. Woo! So confession, maybe you want to join with me in this last confession. I regularly reject God being king over me. Any takers on that one? I regularly believe I can handle my life and my situations on my own. I am the king over my own life and over as many people as possible as allow me to be king over them. It's about my kingdom. It's hard to keep walking to God's face no matter what and also submit to the process of being made complete or whole because it requires a whole lot of humility. And I don't like that. So Samuel warns them that having a king will be the way it'll be, conscripted into slavery basically, and they still want a king. So this is what God and Samuel decide to do. I'll read it to you. It's so fascinating. Because because we think God, when people want the wrong thing, what do we think? Well, God's going to step in and not make that happen because God's sovereign. So he's going to step in and say, no, that's not good for you, so no. But instead, go for it. God allows us to play in the sandbox that we choose. I mean, that is the hardcore truth. And God stays in the sandbox with us. That's also the hardcore truth. So this is what happens. Um, Starting in verse, just a couple verses here, but the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel. They said, no, no. We are determined to have a king over us so that we also may be like the other nations and so that our king may govern us and go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord, <laughs> had a conversation with God. Honestly, this is what they want to do, God. Okay. And so the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to their voice and set a king over them. Samuel then said to the people of Israel, Each of you return home. So um, oh, we don't have time for that all play question. Here's the deal when it comes to asking god for things and following god in the way to his face and to her face um, there's a way of following god like all the nations and god lets us do that if we choose to do that if that's the sandbox we want to play in but in that version all of our energy has to come from power and control that's the version if we want a god like all the other nations then a God like all the other nations will conscript people into slavery. And if you want that kind of God, you can have that kind of God, God says. Go for it. Go for it. If that's the sandbox you want to play in, I'll try my best to stay with you in that sandbox. There's another way of following God that is like isolated from the other nations, right? And God lets us do that if we choose to do that. But in that version... The energy comes from more of an us versus them. Them and they, like the world, or those other churches that don't believe the right things, they're evil, bad, but we remain pure by being isolated from those people. That's another way of following God. And if you want to play in that sandbox, you can. God lets you. And God will stay in that sandbox with you. That's the grace of God, as much as God is able to. There's a third way of following God that is, as Robert Mulholland says, A way of being in christ for the world you've heard sort of weird colonial slogans like we're in the world for christ mulholland flips that and says no followers of christ are in christ for the world so it's a way of loving and serving our neighbors rooted in christ rooted in christ but not being isolated from and also not being like all the other nations with power and control Jesus said it this way in Luke 17, 20. Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming. And Jesus answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For in fact, the kingdom of God is within you. This kingdom is is the way. The kingdom of God, in my view, is Whenever a person or a group of people commits to stumbling and fumblingly walking towards God's face, being in Christ for the world, as they are made whole, that's the kingdom of God, and it's present right here and right now. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not something in the future, it's something that's within us. It's not something you can arrive at through Google Maps, it's something that you become by resisting being like all the other nations and resisting being isolated from all the other nations and pursuing this messy, faithful, trusting, walking toward God's face like a little toddler who's going to make lots of mistakes. And if you want to play in that sandbox, God will play in that sandbox with you. And God will make you whole. Amen. Time and time again throughout the
0: age. Endings are a place where life is remade. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any questions, questions or would like
1: to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.